Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. So thankful that you're joining us today. And uh, we are from a different venue today, but I hope the uh, uh, the quality is just as good as it always is. And, uh, you know, I had a poster in my office that was there for many years, and it finally got so torn and tattered and ripped that I had to take it down. Uh, but the words on the poster said, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. And uh, I, I like to keep that in mind as you're going through life, because you never know what's going to come down the pike. You always have to be ready. Well, today I want to talk to you about time and the importance of time. And uh, I want to talk to you about what the Bible says about time. As a matter of fact, I'm going to kind of look at it from three different perspectives. And uh, the first perspective is, what is the purpose of time? And uh, what priority should time have in my life? And then how should I plan my time? What is the plan of time? Uh, Before we go too far, I don't know if you remember back in 1992. Alabama came up with a song, and I don't know if you like country music or not. Uh, I'm not a super big fan of country music, but I, this song caught my attention years ago. And, uh, and here's the lyrics. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush till life's no fun. All you really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. And so you think about the lyrics of that song. It's not how many of us are living our lives. We are in a hurry, and, uh, and we've got a whole lot of things to do, and it takes all the fun out of life. And uh, all you really got to do is live and die. But I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. You know, time is our most precious resource. It is imperishable and time is irreplaceable. Listen, you can lose some money and get it back. Uh, You can have your car break down and you get it fixed. Or you can have somebody take your car and get another one. Uh, There's a whole lot of things that you can replace, but not time. You see, God in His grace has given us all the same 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week. So the quality, the joy, and the impact of our lives are clearly related to how wisely we use the time that we have. Now, as I give this message, I got to admit that I am not the best time manager in the world. And part of the reason is because I'm part of a club. Now, you may be part of this club too, as I explained to you what this club is. Uh, and I, I call it the, the Toga Club, right? T-O-C-A, T-O-C-A, which is, uh, it stands for Type A, Obsessive Compulsion Association. Now, now there are other uh, TOGA members, I'm sure, that are listening to me today. And uh, anybody who's stressed out, anybody who's overcommitted, anybody who's spread too thinly, uh, you might be part of this club. Now, in case you're wondering what it takes to be a TOGA member, uh, here are some clues, okay? Now, if you're at a traffic light, the light turns green. And the driver up front, he waits for three seconds or more before he moves. What do you do as a TOGA member? Man, you are on that horn right away. Uh, That's kind of how you roll, right? Uh, TOGA members also like to do two things at once and doing three things simultaneously. Well, that's pure heaven. Uh, TOGA members' worst nightmare, and you can relate to this because many of you are listening to me on your commute home. Our worst nightmare is getting caught on Interstate 64 in a three or four mile backup. Oh man, it's terrible, right? Because we're thinking about all the things we could be doing as we're sitting there in traffic. Uh, Well, maybe your boss is a TOGA member, right? And if you happen to be working for somebody who is is over you, who's a TOGA member, uh, you know, you may go to him one day and say, man, I got a problem. And so you sit down and and he says, well, tell me all about it. And then he says, while you're telling me about it, you don't mind if I check my text messages and my email while I'm talking to you, do you? And, uh, and that's a TOGA member, right? Uh, they want to do many things at once, and they're not satisfied to do just one thing. You know, a TOGA member's favorite invention, 
voicemail, and text messages. Why? Because you can send out these messages to people 24 hours a day. You know, not too long ago, I was sending out emails, and I sent out emails kind of in a crazy time, sometimes real early in the morning, sometimes late at night, and I, I found a strange feature on my Outlook email. This is what it says. It says, you should consider sending your email at a more appropriate time, like during business hours, Monday through Friday, nine to five. And I said, are you kidding me? Whoever thinks that way, email and text messages were created so you can email and text 24-7. I don't want to be waiting until business hours to do that because the thought that I have, I'm going to be losing it by the time business hours rolls around. Somebody asked me one time, why why do you talk so fast? i tell you why I talk so fast. It's because I'm afraid I'm going to forget what I'm about to say, so I have to hurry up and say it so I don't forget what I'm about to say. Now listen, a token member is, is a blessing and a curse. I guess it's a curse if you're married to somebody who's a TOGA member. I mean, after all, they can't watch TV without having a remote control in their hand, without having a laptop on their lap, and maybe a gaming device or a magazine close by because they want to do many things at one time. As soon as a commercial break comes up, what does a TOGA member do? Man, they're they're switching the channels, they're checking their email, uh, they're reading a book, uh, they're getting something to eat because they can't stand idle time. They're always in a hurry, rushing around. You know, TOGA members always drive over the speed limit. You say, well, how much over does a TOGA member usually drive? Well, according to the uh, the research that I've done, generally it's at least eight miles over. And I got thinking about that. Eight miles over? Man, if you are in uh, the, the HOV lane right now and you're only going eight miles over, somebody is riding your tail and flashing the lights at you and honking the horn at you. Uh, matter of fact, TOGA members, they hate people that drive in the left lane. Now, listen, did you know that the left lane is not the travel lane? No, no, the left lane is the passing lane. Toga members hate what I call left lane lolly laggers, right? Uh, They're slowing down traffic and you can't get around them. Well, as a Toga member passes somebody on the right uh, who is maybe going to the speed limit, he will always mumble, come on, granny, drive it or park it, right? And now, as you listen to these things, and maybe this is not a good time to be talking about it because you may be cruising down the road right now, but if you're married to somebody who is a TOGA member, when you want to do something, uh, you're going to ask that question, and maybe your wife will say to you, as since you're a TOGA member, your wife will say, well, let's go shopping. And, uh, and, and your first response is not going to be, where are we going to go? Uh, your first response is going to be, how long will it take? Now, TOGA members have never officially organized because they're just way too busy. Well, I guess Alabama had it right with that song and that refrain talking about how our lifestyle is so hurried, we're in a rush to get things done. But you know, as I was studying the Bible, I see a direct contrast. The Bible never says that Jesus rushed anywhere. He was usually very busy. But he found time to pray, and he found a lot of time to pray. I mean, his total ministry was accomplished in just three and a half short years. But he found time to be with children. He found time, one time, to even investigate a fig tree and uh, to figure out why it wasn't producing fruit. He took a nap one time in the bottom of a boat in the middle of a storm. Uh, He took a rest at the noontime beside a well. He even took time to attend a wedding reception. You see, the Bible does not say, if you hurry... You can catch up with God. It does say, however, 
Be still or cease from your striving and know that I am God. You see, Jesus didn't say, join up with me and I will work you 18 or 20 hours a day. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary, all who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, let's talk about some biblical guidelines for managing time well. But before we go too far, I want to give you one verse that Jesus talked about. And when I think about time, I know it's important to be managers of the minutes and the hours of our day, but I think it's also important to understand the seasons of the time. Matthew 16, 3, Jesus said, you know, when you go out in the morning, you know, it's going to be a stormy day for the sky is red. It's threatening. And Jesus says, you know how to interpret the sky because of its appearance, but you cannot interpret the signs of the time. Oh, I want to encourage you, my friend, figure out the time of your life. Where are you today? Let's talk about the purpose of time, and then we'll get into the priority of time, and then we'll talk about God's plan for time. So this is a two-part message, so you're going to have to tune in with me uh, tomorrow to get the second part. But let's first of all talk about the purpose of time. Let's turn to the old book of Ecclesiastes, Old Testament book, and we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1. Solomon said, For everything there is a season. There's a time for every matter under heaven. And it gets real specific. He says, there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to plant. There's a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. There's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Well, let me share you just a few things about the purpose of time. For everything there is a time, everything there is a season. Now, I've noticed something about seasons. I cannot do a thing to change the seasons. Uh, We are thankful that we live here in Virginia and North Carolina, and we experience four seasons. Now, summer is our longest season, and uh, and I'm thankful that winter is a relatively short season here, and uh, and spring and fall are generally about even. As we live at these four different seasons, we can't change that. You know, winter comes, and and then after winter is going to be spring, and after spring is going to be summer, and after summer there's going to be fall, and it's going to repeat the cycle over and over again. Solomon says there's a season for everything, everything under heaven. And as we think about the purpose of time, let me give you just a couple of things that I see when I look at the time in regards to God's Word. You see, God is timeless, but He created time for us to know certain things. I think the first thing that He wanted us to know is our duration. How long are we going to live? Uh, Have you ever thought about that? How long am I going to live? Well, the psalmist says that you live 70, and if you're really strong, you may live to be 80 years. And so that's not bad. That's that's pretty good to be living in your 80s. Now, a few of us will live a little past that. In Genesis chapter 6, there's a real interesting verse that is written, and, and this is written about what's going to happen after the flood or what is happened after the flood. In Genesis 6, the Lord says, My spirit will not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 
120 years. Uh, now, as you think about that, uh, very few people are going to be living that long. Oh, a few people make it that long. Uh, I think I was just reading about a guy who was 122 years old, and he just recently passed. Now, that's pretty good, right? Uh, I don't think I'm going to come anything close, anywhere close to 120 years. I think I'm going to probably be in that 80-year time frame, and I'm not sure that I want to live to be 120 years, to be honest with you. Uh, but when you look at time, God created time so that we would know how long we're going to live, so we would know our duration, so that we would know how to order our lives based on the duration that God has given us here on this earth. Now, as I think about life, I have to divide up my life like into four quarters. You know, the first quarter of your life, you're just getting started, and, uh, and you're trying to figure out your purpose. You're trying to figure out what you're supposed to do uh, with your life. You're trying to figure out where your gifts are, where your talents are, what do you want to spend your life doing. And uh, the first quarter of your life really is a time of preparation. Uh, you know, a lot of exciting things happen in that first quarter of your life. Uh, you learn to walk. Uh, you learn to read. You learn to write. You learn to do a lot of things in those uh, that first quarter of your life. Generally, you get married within that first quarter or shortly after that first quarter of your life. Uh, you start your career, and uh, a lot of neat things happen. Sometimes you start your family in the first quarter of your life, and uh, it's a very busy time of your life. It's an amazing time of your life. And the first quarter of your life begins with birth, and you know, within the first 12 months of your life. Uh, it is fascinating what happens the first 12 months of your life. Did you know that you will never grow any faster than you do the first 12 months of your life? Your weight doubles, your height doubles, and uh, you do more growing physically the first 12 months of your life than you're ever going to do the rest of your life. And so when you think about the duration of your life, you have a very short time to get ready. So the first quarter of your life is time of preparation. The second quarter of your life is that time where you're trying to find your sweet spot. Uh, where you kind of figured out a few things, uh, you're facing a few difficulties in life, you've gone through some hardships in your life, and oftentimes in the second quarter of life is where we begin to, to try to get traction, but sometimes we have a lot of failure in the second quarter of our lives. And this is where you said, hey man, I rushed off and I made some, some poor choices early in my life, and now I've got to try to get that in the right direction. And so that second quarter, I, I call it that tweaking time uh, of your life where you're trying to uh, get on the right track, and, and maybe you've made some blunders, maybe you made some poor choices financially, uh, and, and, it's, and if you're going to go through a, a divorce, generally that's going to happen in the second quarter of your life uh, where you've made some poor choices, and uh, you're going to make some career changes, and uh, this is when your, your character is going to begin to, to formulate to the surface. And uh, when you think about a person's character, uh, the character is generally developed very young, and then it begins to bring about fruit in that second quarter, and then you get into the third quarter of your life. Now, the third quarter of your life is a time where you are most productive, right? You have found yourself. You have found where you are most talented. You have found a career that you excel in. Uh, you've got some successes under your belt, and you figured out some things. And you've got to the point in your life where you are very proficient, and, uh, and you can figure out what you need to do and how to do it. And, uh, and you're now in a stage in your life where you're going to be influencing more and more people, and you have more of an opportunity to have that influence being wider and wider, and uh, it's an exciting time to be. That's where I am right now in the third quarter of my life. I still have a whole lot of game left. And when you think about the third quarter of your life, the game is not won in the third quarter. You still got some time left. And then you get into that last quarter of your life. And that last quarter of your life, if you live to be 80, right? That would be that time in your life when you're in your 70s and getting into your 80s. And that is the time where you have the opportunity to be a blessing. I think about 
Moses. Moses lived to be 120 years. Now, that's not bad when you think about it. Uh, Somebody divided up his life this way. They said Moses spent the first 40 years of his life trying to be a somebody. He spent the second 40 years of his life realizing he was a nobody. He was on the backside of the wilderness taking care of his father's sheep. And then at age 80, he had that burning bush experience. And you remember, God spoke to him to that burning bush, and God basically says, now, Moses, you're my man. I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go because they've been in slavery for 400 years, and Moses, you're the man. And Moses says, well, I think you got the wrong man. Moses was a little bit slow of speech, and he really didn't want to do it, but God was preparing him for 40 years. That's a long time, isn't it? 40 years to be in the wilderness. God was preparing Moses in the last 40 years of his life, from 80 to 120. Moses ends up being a blessing to everybody. You see, he ended strong. You see, Paul understood the purpose of his life was to go share the gospel, to be glorifying God in every facet of his life. And at the end of his life, he says, the Lord's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Don't you love that? Well done. Uh, Not incomplete. Uh, Not almost done. Complete. So God gives us time so that we can understand our duration. There's another thing that God does with time. He also gives us time so that we can figure out our destination. Where are we going to go? You only have a short life to live. Paul, the writer of Hebrews, said this, It's appointed unto man once to die. In other words, one time to die. That's talking about the physical death. You're not going to die physically twice. You will die twice if you don't know the Lord, but it's going to be one physical death and then a spiritual death if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. So Paul says it's appointed unto man once to die, physical death, and after that comes the judgment. Now, there's two primary judgments that we need to be aware of. Judgment number one is called the great white throne judgment. That's where the books are open. And if your name is not written in the last book of life, you'll be separated and you'll be in outer darkness. You will be in a place called hell. Now, hell is a terrible place, and God gives us time on this earth to get right with him, to receive the free gift of salvation so that our destiny, when we die physically, doesn't have to be hell. Listen, if you're born again, and I hope that you are, if you're not, I pray that you will receive the free gift of salvation right now. Listen, you can call me at 252-267-2365, or you can text me at 252-267-2365, and I will be happy to talk to you. I'd be happy to tell you what God's word says about being born again. You know, the Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So the great white throne judgment is the first judgment. If you're a believer, you don't have to worry about that one because your name is in the Lamb's book of life. But then there's the Bema judgment. Now, the Bema judgment is a judgment that God is going to judge us based upon our performance. This is not based upon our salvation. Our salvation is given to us as a gift. But God also, with that gift of salvation, gives us gifts so that we can serve others. So the Lord's going to say, okay, I gave you these gifts. Maybe I gave you the the gift to be a wonderful teacher. Well, what did you do with that gift? Maybe God gave you a a gift to be a great administrator. What did you do with that gift of administration? Uh, Maybe God has given you a wonderful gift to be able to come alongside people, and and you're filled with mercy and compassion with people. And and so the Lord's going to say, well, what did you do with that gift? And so when we look at the Bema judgment, this is where we're going to be judged for how we worked here on this earth. So God is timeless, 
but he created time for us so that we can know the duration of our life. We can know our destination, where are we going? And then he gives us time so that we can know where our devotion is or where our donations go. And here's the question, what am I contributing? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. Remember, Paul's writing this letter. He says, I want you to remember something. Don't forget this. Very important. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, this is a universal law. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. Now, there's something about the law of sowing and reaping. You you know, you sow and then you reap later. You sow and you reap greater. The later greater principle. Paul says, remember this. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Now, it's going to take some time for that to happen. uh, But he says, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then he says, each of you should decide what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I always get around that verse. God loves a cheerful giver, but take it from a grouch. Well, uh, somebody one time asked me, well, I'm not very cheerful about giving. Should I go ahead and not give because I'm not cheerful? And I said, no, just change your attitude and give because if you're not giving, you're disobedient. If you're not cheerful, you're disobedient. And I said, you're disobedient on two fronts. You know, you can change your attitude about giving. Ask the Lord to change your heart and say, Lord, give me this attitude of joy and cheer. And I've discovered something about cheerful giving. As you give joyfully and cheerfully to the Lord, it changes your whole attitude. When you give something, you release it, you let it go, and you discover that God blesses you, okay? So God gives us time so that we can measure our devotion to him. We can measure our donation to him. And Paul says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, now that word all times really means all seasons. In other words, all seasons, God will bless you abundantly if you're devoted to him and your life is consistent of being donating things for him. Somebody put it this way. The greatness of your life is not determined by your duration, by how long you live. It is determined by your donation. You see here, Paul is reminding us that God is able to bless me abundantly at all times and take care of all of my needs so that I may abound in every single good work. Well, we've covered a lot of ground so far in the broadcast. We've covered the fact that we're often in a hurry but God wants us to slow down. Now, I want you to know there's a difference between being busy, busy, busy and being hurried. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that people who are busy generally know how to get things done. Now, there's a difference between being hurried and being busy. I think hurriedness is a sin. Now, I struggle with this one. I feel like I'm always in a rush. Even if I'm not late, I feel like I'm always in a rush. And I don't know if it's just how I'm wired that way, but I'm always rushing. Even I don't, I'm always in a hurry. Even I don't have, if I got plenty of time to get there. But I, I want you to know, the purpose of time is not to squeeze as much as we can into our lives. God gives us time so that we can understand how long we'll be here on this planet. God gives us time so that we can know where we're going. I want you to spend just a few minutes thinking about your future. What is your destination? You know, the question that I get asked more than any other question as a pastor is this, what is God's will? What is God's will? What does God want me to do? What am I supposed to do with my life? Well, don't hurry up. You know, I think about hurry. Sometimes if you hurry a lot, 
it gives you this, this misconception that you're important. As a matter of fact, one time one of my, my church members came up to me and said, well, Pastor, what are you doing? I bet you were busy. I said, you know what? I'm not doing a blessed thing. That member looked at me kind of sideways. And I said, well, you know, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just hanging out. I'm just exercising my spiritual gift. I'm hanging out. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in any rush. Now, now that was the exception to the rule because most of the time I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But that person just caught me at a good time. And I had to be honest. I had to tell him I wasn't doing anything. Well, God also wants you to know that he wants you to spend some time being devoted to him. Well, listen, why don't you join us tomorrow as we pick up the second half of the broadcast and we talk about the plan of time and we talk about the priority of time. We'll be looking at Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. So thank you so much for joining us today. I so appreciate you. I'm going to pray real quick that God will allow you to use your time and the purpose of time to honor him. So Lord, we thank you for this few minutes that we've been able to spend together on this broadcast. I pray for every person listening to me right now, the ones who are hurried, I pray that they will slow down and they will take their cares and they're casting upon you. Uh, the one that is rushing around and feel like they're getting nothing done, uh, there's a season and a time for everything under heaven. I pray they realize there is a season for everything. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.